1940, starring Christopher Lee Power, Ruben Clark, Pete Gibson, and Ethan Mutz. Episode 1 Sergeant Bewley. Monday, the 16th of March, 1914. I woke early. The house was cold and still. My wife, Margaret, remained fast asleep as I rose. It was a comfort to have her at my side. I looked in on the children, both still fast asleep. I dressed and went downstairs and started a fire. The ashes were cold, and once raked clear, I piled a fireplace with fresh chunks of coal. Whilst the fire took hold, I made myself a brew of tea. First light was beginning to show itself, and the dawn broke with it an air of expectation. This was to be my first day of my reassignment, having recently been transferred from the main city police force to the dock police. My new police station is to be a Bridewell at Collingwood Dock. The reason for my new employer, I will make clear in time. But for now, I will say that my transfer was a punishment for my reluctance to participate in the crimes which I had joined the force to protect the citizens of this city from. As a consequence, I was now considered by some to be a threat to their very lucrative income and I was therefore reassigned to the dock police as both a punishment and a warning. As long as I remained in the Liverpool police force, I was a marked man. I was no longer welcome on the city beat. The docks and its many dangers were to be my new forms. For the first day, I chose to wear a large roomy overcoat and about my person, I pocketed the tools of my trade. My trusty pocket knife was placed safely away along with a larger blade in my boot. My pocket book, pencil and whistle were placed in my inside pocket. I placed a lead knuckle duster in an outer pocket and finally a short billy club was discreetly hung from my belt. As a detective, I wore no uniform. I chose a flat cap rather than a bowler or top hat. This helped me to blend into the background far easier. Now, dressed for the occasion and feeling a sense of excitement before leaving, I took my wife a cup of tea. I kissed her forehead and she whispered, be careful. These were always her parting words and became my mantra as I went about my duties. I left the house and joined the early morning trek, heading towards the overhead railway station. I entered the Bridewell and was greeted by the overpowering smell of stale beer. The station served as the ale tank for the dock, and the morning dregs of society, having spent the night sobering up, were now leaving as I arrived. I remember your faces. I don't want to see any of you back here tonight. Or you'll be for it. You hear me? The now burly sober crowd paid little heed to the warning and most headed straight for the nearest pub or grog shop, which on the dock road 
was not very difficult to find. Well, well. Look what the cat's dragged in. Sergeant Paddy Bewley. Good morning, Stewie. So, you're joining us, are you? For now. Oh, like that, is it? Just passing through? You know how it works. Your face didn't fit in the city, I heard. Oh, something like that. A word of warning, lads. You'll find friends are few and far between down here as well. The boss, Superintendent O'Toole, he's got things sorted. You understand? He won't want you coming in here and rocking the boat. Is that a joke, Huey? Just a warning, lad. Just a warning. Be careful. Much appreciated, Sergeant. I suppose I should report for duty. Is he in? He never goes home. Collingwood was the biggest bridewell on the dock. Superintendent Tommy O'Toole had run the station for as long as anyone can remember. Everyone knew he was corrupt. But in one of the world's busiest ports, as long as everything was running smoothly and those in charge received their cut, everybody turned a blind eye. I knew the superintendent would not be happy to have me as one of his officers. There will always be dishonest police officers. But Superintendent Thomas O'Toole was at the top of the tree. He was a man who was open to any opportunity which he could benefit from. Fellow officers said the reason he never went home was in case he missed out on a handout. O'Toole had become a powerful man. His loyalty to the force was at best questionable. How he would respond having me as part of his bridewell, I was about to discover. For my part, I knew he was someone not to be trusted and whose intentions I should always be suspicious of. What? Oh, for fuck's sake, I'd forgotten you were starting today. You're all I need. Well, good morning, Superintendent. Look, Bewley, this will be quick. I know all about what happened in town. Well, everything I hope, sir. Nobody likes a do-gooder or a smart-ass. But isn't that what we are supposed to be doing, sir? Good. All people who interrupt. Now, you come here and you do your job and you fuck off home. You understand me? Yes, sir. Don't go looking for trouble or finding things that aren't there. No, sir. I mean, I like to think that back at Low Hill there was, shall we call this a misunderstanding? If you say so, sir. Like you said, we're the good guys here. Don't forget that. Oh, no, sir. I won't forget. Some people called you a snitch. No, not snitching. Just doing my job, sir. No one likes a snitch. No one trusts a snitch. I don't trust bad coppers. There's no bad coppers round here, son. Oh, if you say so, sir. Good. Now, these are the rules. Anyone gives you anything, a gift, huh? you share it. Give it to Sergeant Cusack and he'll deal with it fairly. He'll get you cut just like everyone else. 
don't spoil it, and you'll get looked after. What if I don't want to to be looked after? Well, these docks can be a dangerous place. Lots of dark places. Things happen. People go missing. Nobody likes a troublemaker. Whichever side you're on. Troublemakers, well, they bring us together. You know what I'm saying? You go rogue, you'll have no friends. No one to protect you. Do you understand, son? Oh, I understand, Superintendent. Good. Now, I don't want to see you, hear from you, or hear anything about you. Hmm? Now, fuck off and have a good day. He's glad to see you then. Yeah, looks like it. Anything going on? Ah, uh, the usual. The number five bond and warehouse. It's been broken into again. They get much? They stole a pallet of rum. Now there's the surprise. Yeah, clever bastards. No witnesses. They must be very clever. Anyone attended? Only the young PC who they reported it to. And where is he? I'll find him. Constable Dancer! Get your ass out here! Yes, Sarge? He's all yours. The young, scrawny PC Dancer stood before me. He couldn't be more than 14 or 15. He had obviously lied about his age when joining. His uniform was several sizes too big and hung off him. I've seen better dressed bodies dragged out of the dock. No wonder there was a lack of respect for the police when officers like Constable Dancer attend. How old are you, son? Old enough. Who the heck are you? This is Detective Sergeant Bewley. He's joining us today. Now show some respect, mind your lip, and look after him. And call him Say. Yes, Sarge. Sorry, sir. The poor lad. He'd obviously been press-ganged into the service. His voice had still not fully broken. Under normal circumstances, I would have little time for a youth like Dancer. These were not normal times. And Dancer's youthful looks could be an advantage on occasions. So, Constable Dancer, what happened at the bonding warehouse? I don't know, sir. I, I got told to go and see the gaffer, and he would tell me what had happened. And who told you to go there? Superintendent O'Toole. Ah, I exchanged a look with Sergeant Cusack. A shrug of his shoulder told me he knew nothing of the event. You see. And did you have a look around the warehouse? Nah, Gaffer wouldn't let me. Told me to fuck off and get him a crime number for his insurance. And did you? Did I what? Get him a crime number? Not yet. I was just getting a brew. Then I was going to go speak to the sergeant. So you've had your snap then? Just waiting for the kettle. No, leave it. We'll get something on the way. Hi, Sarge. Watch it, son. I turned to leave and stopped and turned to examine the scrawny youth. I looked him up and down. 
Can I ask you, Constable, why you don't have a uniform that fits? This was my dad's, sir. My mum wants me to wear it. Oh, Doc Copper, is he? Was. And where is he now? Dead. Oh, I'm sorry. How did he die? Nobody knows. They dragged him out of Bramley Moor. Oh, what happened? Superintendent said he was pissed and fell in. Well, and, and how did he know? Never asked. Why not? No point. He's a bastard. What? The superintendent? No, me dad. Oh, and you ended up with his uniform? Me mum makes me wear it. And why is that? Said it'll remind me what a bastard he was, and not to be like him. Okay, so she's proved a point. Now, don't let me see you dressed in that again. It's me uniform. Not anymore. You've been transferred. Where to? You're a detective now. Am I? Is that okay with Sergeant Cusack? Please, take him. You'll be doing me a favour. Blimey. Well, you need something to wear. There's a dead body in one of the cells about his size. He can go and help himself. Well? Well, what? Go and get dressed. In a dead man's clothes? Yes. It's what you're wearing now, isn't it? Yeah, but... Get the fuck in there and get dressed, you ungrateful bastard! But, Sarge... You're a detective now. Sergeant Bewley doesn't want you posing round in a copper's uniform to get spotted a mile off. Hi, Sarge. Do as you're told, you scruffy bugger. Got your way cut out there, Paddy. Oh, hey, Sarge, it smells of piss. Well, you'll feel right at home then, won't you? Now, what are you up? There's blood all over the shirt. Good. Make you look authentic. Now, let's go. What will I do with my stuff? Find a bin. But it's me dad's. Yeah, well, you said your dad was a bastard. It's time to be your own man, Gunster. My mum will go mad. The bonding warehouse was on Regent Road. When we arrived, the gates were wide open. The dockers who worked there eyed us up solemnly. Who's in charge? Who wants to know? Police. <laughs> Gaffer. Coppers are here. <laughs> About feckin' time. Where's my crime number? What do they get? What the fuck's that got to do with you? I produced my badge. The gaffer wasn't impressed. You got a pallet load of rum. The good stuff and all. You have a list? What's I got a list? You pressed several sheets of paper into my hands. Fucking hundreds of pounds worth of rum they got. Oh, would you like to show me where the pallet was stored? Why? Well, because that's my job. Look, you've got the list. Now fuck off and give me my crime number so I can get me insurance sorted. I'll ask you again. You want to show me where the pallet was taken from? I, are you new round here? I don't recognise you. Sergeant Bewley. Oh, you at Collingwood? 
That's right. Oh, great. So you know how it works then? Uh, remind me. Now look, smartass. This is another of your bottle tooled scams trying to get a bigger cup. Tell him he can fuck off. He's getting no more. Now just take the list and fuck off. I'll ask you to show me where the rum was stored. You've taken the piss now. Horace! Bloody hell, Sarge. What size of him? A huge mule of a man stepped forward. His bare arms were tattooed and muscular. His fists were cupped like giant hammers. He wore a leather apron, and as he stepped forward, I swore he growled. Show these men the way out. I stood the knuckle duster in my pocket over my fingers. It felt snug. My other hand reached through the lining of my coat and gripped my billy club. As Horace stepped forward, I didn't wait. I withdrew the club and smashed it square between his eyes. I heard the crack, and the blood began flowing immediately. I followed up the blow with a punch in the mouth with a knuckle duster. Horace flew backwards. And the crowd of laborers stepped aside to allow him to fall. The gaffer watched open mouthed. I stepped forward and took a second to admire my handiwork. Horace lay unconscious on the floor. I felt a pang of remorse that I had had to use violence so early in my new posting. This was not a good sign. I had a feeling this would not be the last time my trusty billy club and knuckle duster would be needed. Having seen the mess I had made of Horace, the crowd had dispersed, and now only the gaffer remained, looked shocked by the damage I had inflicted on this prize fighter. Now, about that pallet. Shortly after beginning our inspection of the warehouse, one of the laborers arrived and claimed he had discovered the missing pallet of rum misplaced claimed the gaffer as a token of his gratitude as a, a way of apologizing for any misunderstanding he gave myself and dancer a bottle of finest rum and asked us to deliver two further bottles to the bridewell one for sergeant cusack the other for superintendent o'toole with his compliments i took the drink and dispatched dancer to deliver the bounty to the station as a peace offering to my new superiors I gave Dancer my bottle as a gift for his mother, which accepted gracefully on her behalf. Once Dancer had left, I decided it was time to make my presence known to some old acquaintances at Bramley Moor. Like everyone else I had met since I had arrived on the Liverpool waterfront, they too would not be happy to see me. This has been a Pompous Play production.